0: Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzovino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. How many of you love the Word of God? Amen, 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 amen. Don't you just love it? Well, if you have your Bibles, open up to Proverbs, the third chapter. Proverbs, chapter 3. Praise you, Father. Third chapter of the book of Proverbs, verses 5 and 6. What we're going to do this evening is just continue on our teaching that we had last Wednesday evening, if you remember, if you were here, talking about entering into the promises of God, and here in the book of Proverbs, the first ten verses, we have five promises, five promises, first promise being long life, second promise of having favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Then in verse 5 and 6, we read, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not under your own understanding. Now, just to simplify that, I, I like to say it like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't lean on your head. Amen. At least that's how I say it for me. Trust the Lord with all your heart, and don't lean on your head. Amen. And in all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. And, of course, he said he would, and so he will. Well, say it with me. I trust in the Lord with all my heart. I don't lean on my head. I acknowledge him in all my ways. And it never fails. My father always directs my path. Well, you can have what you say, and you said it. So keep on saying it daily, amen, every day. No matter what the storms of adversity might be, just continue to say, I trust in the Lord with all my heart. I don't lean on my own head. In all my ways, I acknowledge him and he directs my paths. Amen. Well, here we have the promise of divine guidance. Divine guidance. And we gave you some reasons why we need divine guidance. And just to reiterate a few points, let me just say, number one, we said we, do, we need divine guidance because we walk in the world of Darkness. We walk in the world of darkness. Isn't that right? The whole world lieth in darkness. Number two, we need a light to shine upon the pathway of our life because of what spiritual death did to our minds when Adam fell in the garden. Now, remember over there in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, where it says because of the blindness of their minds, their minds... Uh, We're in darkness because of the dark blindness of their hearts, rather. Their minds were blinded. Don't walk in the vanity of your mind like other Gentiles walk. And I think it's good to stop there just for a minute and take a side journey. Medically speaking, we only use a small percentage of what we call our brain. Isn't that right? I don't know what the percentage is, but I know it's not a very big percentage. But they say that man only uses a certain percentage of his brain, a small percentage of his brain. And even Einstein, you know, as smart as he was, only used a small percentage of his brain. But he just used used a little bit more than what others did, you know. But still, man only used a small percentage of his brain. When spiritual death lodged itself into the heart of man, the effect on the mind was devastating. The effect on the human mind or the human brain was devastating. Now, you stop and think about that for a minute. Did God create a perfect human being, a perfect body, a perfect brain, a perfect soul, perfect spirit, and create that perfect brain and only want it to function like in about 8 to 10 percent? That doesn't make any sense, does it? Well, if we're not using about 90 percent of our brain, then it stands to reason something happened to our brain, something happened to our mind. And this is my own theory, this is what I believe. You don't have to take it for doctrine, but just, you know, chew on it for a while and think about it. I just happen to believe that when spiritual death entered and launched itself into the heart of man, that 90% of his brain, that 90% of his brain was 90% that knew about God. And the 10% or less than that of his brain, that's all that was really given to the senses. That's all that was given to the senses. In other words, Adam lived in the spirit realm more than he did in the physical realm. And he only needed to know about 10%, you know, or 8 or less, or you know, less than that, to understand physical things. But when he lost contact with the Father God, and that relationship was severed, he lost all understanding about God, had no way back to God, and he was left in darkness. And his brain, 90% of his brain or more was affected by it and he couldn't understand things of God, amen. So he's left in darkness and the only thing he really knows is what his five physical senses dictate to his brain, what I see, what I hear and what I feel, what I taste and what I smell. You see what I mean? And so here he is, a fallen being, he has no understanding of God and he's walking in the world of darkness. Thank God that John told us in his gospel, in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. And he that followeth after me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? So we need the light to shine upon the pathway of our lives, so that we can walk in the light and finish the course of our life in faith, in victory. And then number three, we said we have an adversary. In case you hadn't noticed, you have an adversary. You have an opponent. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. But, of course, that adversary is only like a roaring lion. He's not one. His teeth have been pulled and he has no power. He's been defeated, dethroned, destroyed, and, as we said this morning, annihilated by Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, glory be to God. Well, now, this adversary is endeavoring to steer us off our course, off the journey of our faith, and to cause shipwreck in our lives. And uh, what we said was that today many Christians have had shipwreck in their life of faith. It's caused much damage. It's caused much loss. Much loss It's caused much hurt a lot of problems in their lives, and in some cases it even cost them their lives because they got off of the journey of faith and they got off over to the right or to the left and didn't know how to get back on course. And because of it, they suffered much damage. And when I say this, what I'm talking about is like the marriage relationship. The marriage relationship is a major incident of life. It's not a minor one. But yet some, as young teenagers and in their early 20s, will endeavor to go into the bond of marriage, which is a major incident of life, and not get guidance and instruction from the Holy Ghost, so as to supply for them the right mate. And three years on down the life of that person, tragedy strikes. They may end up in divorce. Or they may end up with a man that has no use for God, or a woman that has no use for God. Or oh, they said they did when they got married, but you know, they turned their back on God very shortly. Then they got caught up into the ways of the world, began to destroy the, their family life, to beat the kids and to beat the wife. And then the individual wants help, and all our hearts do go out to them, don't don't they? But. As you saw here in Paul's journey of faith, he started out, Spirit of God witnessed to his spirit, gave a perception in his spirit that this ship and this voyage will be with much hurt and much damage if you continue that way and if you go out there. And he tried to tell the fellows, he said, Fellas, don't sail because this journey, I perceive in my spirit, will be with much hurt and damage. And you may have told your young one and said, Look, young one, you want to get married. I understand that. But did you evaluate it? Did you seek the Lord? Did you trust him with all your heart? Did you acknowledge him in this way so that he can direct your path? And they say, well, I don't know, but I just want to get married. And before you know it, they go off and do it because they want to do it. And then three to five years later, they end up like Paul did on that ship, shipwreck, shipwreck faith. And they have a whole mess of trouble. And we do our best to help them. We do our best to counsel him. We do our best to get him out of that predicament. But many times people will suffer loss and damage needlessly because they didn't hearken unto the voice of God and didn't follow him in the way. Amen. Well, let's go over to Matthew, the third chapter, and let's begin just right here with what everybody should do to start his journey of faith. Every person that starts out in faith, that begins the course of faith in his life, should have the same consecration that Jesus did when he began his journey of faith. Here in this third chapter, verse 15, we see that Jesus answered and said to John the Baptist when he was there to get baptized in the river, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Righteousness means right standing with God. In other words, go ahead, you baptize me in water, John, because I have consecrated my life to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, everything that's in right standing with God. So our first step into the faith walk, into the light is to fulfill all righteousness or all right standing with God. That's number one. In other words, your relationship with God is the most important relationship that you have. After your relationship with God comes your relationship with a mate. After your relationship with your mate comes your relationship with your children. Then with the body of Christ. And then, of course, with your employer. And right on down the list. But your most important relationship is your relationship with the Heavenly Father, and you should be consecrated to fulfill all righteousness in your life, all right standing with God. Step number one along your journey of faith is to be born again. That's the most important incident in any person's life, and that is to be born again. If you've not been born again, then you have not yet begun your journey of faith. Let me share with you and show you how even though someone can receive Jesus and be in the faith, they still can have a shipwreck in their journey of faith. Let's go quickly to 1 Timothy, the, se- uh, the first chapter. 1 Timothy, the first chapter. Sometimes we take for granted that everybody knows what you're talking about when you say you must be born again. Jesus said in John 3, 3, Except a man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. And then again he said it in verse 5, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of God. He must be born again. Jesus said you must be born again to have eternal life. Amen? Well, here's a few people that were born again. But in their relationship with God, you know there sometimes we quote, Turn not to the right nor to the left in your course of faith. Well, we have an adversary that's trying to steer us to the right and cause us to swerve to the left. And over here we see a fellow, two fellows actually, that did just that. Look at verse 19. 1 Timothy 1.19 Holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, have made what? shipwreck. They got into their big boat, and they began to walk, you know, just just uh, flow with the tide. They began to just, you know, walk by faith, go out there on that sea, and they started out in faith. They got born again. They was on fire for God, hallelujah, shouting glory, but they forgot to take along the Holy Ghost. You see, the Holy Ghost is our guide. He's our travel guide in our journey of faith. Can you say amen to that? He's our travel guide in our journey of faith. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Isn't that what Jesus said? Amen. Well, this fellow over here, uh, look at verse 20, "...of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, who I have delivered unto Satan, that they learn, may learn not to blaspheme." They began, they got out in their big old boat, and they just took off down their course along their journey. And along came a north wind... And blew them off course into the ditch on the left side or onto the right side. And they made shipwreck of their faith. And in 2 Timothy, you'll find out exactly where their error was. It was getting out of the truth of God's word. Look at 2 Timothy, the second chapter, and verse uh, 16. Start with 16. We'll read right through there. But shunned. Well, we better start with verse 15 because I think it's very important. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study to show yourself to be approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That takes study. Look at what it says here. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase the more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus who concerning the truth have erred. The Holy Spirit will guide you in all what? Well, these fellows concerning the truth have what? They made an error. They got, off to, they got off their course. They swerved a little bit off course. They should have been instrument-rated Christians. They should have been able to read the instrument panel to find out which way they had to go through the storm. But when the storm uh, came upon their life, they didn't know which way to go. So consequently, they got off course. They got off course on their journey of faith. They erred from the truth. Look what it says here. They erred from the truth, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. So they got into a shipwreck on their journey of faith and they got in their error, and they began to even destroy the faith of others. Let me say something to you. Jesus said, if you harm one of these little children by your belief and by your doctrine, it'd be better for you if you had a millstone hung around your neck and you were cast into the midst of the sea. There are some people that are trying to hog tie other people and saying, come on, this is the way, walk in it. Let me say something to you. You're not the Holy Ghost. I'm not the Holy Ghost. I preach God's Word. That's all I'm going to do. You can go the way you want to go. I can't force you to go the way I go. Amen. Jesus never forced anybody to go his way. When they came to Jesus, he said, just take up your cross and follow me. He didn't say, I'm going to force you. He said, just follow me in the way. Amen. So, just follow him. Just follow him. And if what I give you is not following God's word, then don't follow it. But bless God, I'm going to preach God's word. I'm going to speak God's word. I'm going to study to show myself to be approved unto God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed when I stand before the throne of God. Amen. Amen. I'm not going to err from the truth. And I can safely say to you this day that, bless God, the Spirit of God has led me and guided me and directed me into all the truth ever since I've been saved. I'm not not getting off course, not now. Because He is my guide. Now, I think since we're in Timothy here, you're in the second. Look at the fourth chapter. Look at the fourth chapter. Now, not only are we to be led in our initial experience of being born again. But we're to be led on into all righteousness. Our journey of faith isn't something that you start at the born-again experience and you stop. And that's it. But you see, our our experience in fulfilling all righteousness will carry us on to perfection in him. Not only are we to be born again, but we are to be spirit-filled, speaking with other tongues. I can give you scriptural proof for that. Actually, I can show you... According to the Word of God, if you're open to God's Word, beyond the shadow of a doubt, not even the doubt, I mean even the shadow of the doubt, not even the shadow of a doubt, beyond the shadow of a doubt that God's Word teaches us that being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues is for the church today, beyond question. I don't have time to get into it. If you have need of help in that area, you can see me after the service. Well, it's also to go on into the area of divine healing. The Holy Spirit, who is our guide, will not only lead us into a morning and experience, he'll lead us into being filled with the Spirit and lead us into speaking with other tongues, but will also lead us into being healed. He'll also lead us into prosperity. He'll lead us into all the blessings that have been required, or, or obtained for us through Jesus. Now, that's the job of our guide, the Holy Ghost, and he's going to do it for us. Now, over here, this should be the goal of every born-again spirit-filled believer. This fourth chapter, and uh, look at verse 7, no, verse 6. And I want you to keep this thought in mind. The Apostle Paul says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. In other words... I'm ready to leave the earth. I'm ready to leave my body. I'm ready to go home. I'm ready now. Why, Brother Paul? Because I have fought a good fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Isn't that what he told Timothy in 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter? Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and has professed a good profession, or confessed a good confession, before many witnesses. See, I'm not the only one talking about confession. Brother Paul here is talking about confession of God's Word. And it says that that is the fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. And he says here in verse 7, I have fought a good fight. Now listen, I have finished my course. Bless God, Jesus said, I have finished the work that you've sent me to do. And now the Apostle Paul said, I have finished my course. Everybody here, at the sound of my voice, each and every one of us have a course. It's called our course of life. God's perfect will for you and God's perfect will for me. We are to not only start that course by faith, but we are to end that course in faith. We are to finish our course, as he says here, I have kept the faith. And in verse 8 he says, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. And he knew that because he fought the good fight. He ran his race with patience. He finished his course in faith. He started in faith. He ended in faith. There was a crown of righteousness. Although all the churches that the apostle Paul set up were not churches that walked in the light of uh, their redemption. He wrote them letters time and time again and said, why in the world are you getting off of what I taught you? Remember he wrote to the church at uh, Galatia. The Galatian church and he said to them who has bewitched you or hypnotized you that you should believe another gospel An heir from the truth have you begun in the spirit and now are you made perfect by the works of the flesh he said no I'm, I'm, I'm Really surprised he said that you are so so soon removed from the gospel that I have spoken unto you And then he admonished them and he said even if an angel come out of glory and appear to you and preach to you another gospel Let him be accursed because there is no other gospel but that which I have delivered unto you. And the gospel that I preached was not a man, he says, but it was given unto me by revelation through Jesus Christ. Amen? Yes. Amen. And so this great man of God fought the good fight of faith. He finished his course and he avoided shipwreck in his journey of faith. Now, in John's gospel, the 16th chapter and the 13th verse, you could turn to it if you want to. You don't have to. But it says that the Spirit of truth would come to guide us in all truth. He is our guide. How many of you this evening brought your travel guide? Did you bring the travel guide with you? Did you bring the Holy Ghost? Now, Jesus said he's going to come with you only until a storm of life comes. Then once the storm comes, the Holy Ghost is going to leave you. Are you awake? Isn't that what he said? He's going to come and abide with you only until tragedy strikes. Then he's going to forsake you and leave you. Is that what he said? Oh, I must have a wrong translation. Okay, he said, how be it... Well, he said, I'll pray the Father and send you another comforter, even the Spirit of truth, that he may abide with you forever. Amen. Is that what he said? Amen. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. And in John sixteen thirteen, how be it, when the Spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and show you things to come. Amen? Yes. Say it with me. My guide has come. My guide has come. That, is the Holy Ghost. that is the Holy Ghost. He teaches me all things. He, teaches me all. he guides me into all truth. He, guides me all. He, speaks unto me. he speaks unto me. Whatever he hears from the Father. He, hears father. he shows me things to, come he shows things to come. And brings all things into my remembrance. And He guides me in my course of faith, so that my journey of faith will not have shipwreck. Amen. Glory be to God. That's what the Holy Ghost is here to do for you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Now, it's very important that we, as believers, learn to get acquainted with the Holy Ghost. We need to get acquainted with him because he is our guide that's his purpose for being here now notice here we said earlier in our previous lesson that he will guide us but we have got to trust him with our heart not with our head and i gave you an example of trusting him with all your heart and not leaning on your own understanding you remember i told you about that organ that he told us to buy and let us to buy And it didn't make any sense to buy something like that because we were going far away and moving far away. And if I thought about it and said that wouldn't make any sense, but I knew inside my spirit I had a a spiritual perception that I was to do it, and so we did it. So we trusted the Lord with our heart. We didn't lean on our own understanding. We acknowledged Him in our way, and He directed our path, and and, and it ended up so that by purchasing that organ... He blessed us when we got to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and helped us to pay off some of the bills that we had, so on and so forth. I want to give you another example as to why you ought to trust the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. I mean, when you begin to walk by faith, you're going to begin to walk by the Word of God and be led by the Spirit of God. You can't try to figure things out in your head. Thoughts will come into your head faster than a machine gun bullets can fly. Amen? And you won't even know which way you're going if you start, you know, thinking things out by your head. I mean, the devil can get into you that way and and put all kind of thoughts up in here in your mind, and your mind can just, you know, begin to wander off, and you get off course, so far off course that you've been way over to the left, and you didn't even know about it. It's like walking out into the middle of the ocean, or just part of the ocean. Did you ever walk out into the ocean? I did one time. I walked out, and I was just like a straight line, walked right over there, and the next thing I know, I was about 100 yards down that way, and I didn't even move. And I know what was going on. I was just a young boy, and I just looked up, and my parents were way over there. And I said, how come they walked way over there? But they didn't. I was just being, you know, I was just going. I got off course. I mean, yeah, you know, I didn't have the Holy Ghost back then, and I got off my course. But that's what it'll do to you if you try to think, you know, think of... If you can't think and get a hold of God with your brain, you've got to get a hold of God with your spirit. That's right. And so with my spirit, I contact the Father. Now, you try to think this one out. My wife and I... You know, had a a nice home in Youngstown, Ohio, and we was enjoying our life and enjoying ourselves and got born again and spirit-filled and just just glorifying God. And I was working down in the sheet and tube down in the mill, running a crane, and uh, the Holy Spirit began to witness unto my spirit that He wanted me to do something for Him. So, I want to show you how the Lord led us to Midland, Pennsylvania. Now you think about this and tell me if it makes any sense. If you had to travel from Youngstown, Ohio to Midland, Pennsylvania, you'd probably come the back road or you'd come down Route 11 and go to East Liverpool. Or come down the back road and come down 170 to reach Palestine. Or come down 51 to 168 and come on down 168 all the way in Midland, wouldn't you? Well, here's how we were led to come to Midland, Pennsylvania. The first witness in my spirit came when I was in Atlanta, Georgia. Went to a meeting where Brother Hagan was preaching. First time I ever saw the man. And uh, he was preaching uh, a weekend meeting. And we went on down there, took some kids on down there to be healed. I was just getting into the faith walk. I didn't know a whole lot. I don't claim the whole lot now. I just know a whole lot now. I'm just grown in God. Amen. And so down there I had a witness inside my spirit by my travel guide. And said, pick up one of them brochures on the school that this man has." I said, okay, I will. It was like a witness inside my spirit. So from Atlanta, Georgia, I went back on home to Youngstown, Ohio. And I just began to go back to work and left that thing in the visor of my car. Now remember, he wants me to go from Youngstown, Ohio to Midland, Pennsylvania. Now I don't know this back then. And this is why God doesn't speak to you and say, you know that you're going to you know, go on down to Midland, Pennsylvania right off the bat he doesn't do that and so he said uh, a witness inside my spirit and said uh, now you need to fill out that application and go to that school I said okay and I did well that's happened to be in Tulsa, Oklahoma I obeyed what God had witnessed into my spirit and I followed his direction and I went you know got the witness in Atlanta came on back to Youngstown got a witness over there and I went on back to Tulsa, Oklahoma a thousand miles away so when I was over there in Tulsa, Oklahoma, he didn't say anything to me. We even came home on on our Christmas break and met some people here from the church, I think, at a funeral. And still, the Spirit of God didn't witness under my spirit that I'd be doing anything, you know, here in Midland. Didn't know anything about Midland. And uh, I went on back to school like I was supposed to. And right towards the end of the school year, I had another uh, little shining light and said, go on back to Youngstown. So I went on back to Youngstown, Ohio. Now, I got a witness in Atlanta. I went from Atlanta to Youngstown. I went to Youngstown on back to, to Tulsa. I went on Tulsa on back to Youngstown, Ohio. And then the Spirit of God led and spoke to me and said that you go on down to that church. you would be the next pastor of that church. And I came from Youngstown to Midland. Now, how many of you, if you're going to road, you know, map out your journey from Youngstown to Midland, would go by the way of Atlanta, Georgia, and Tulsa, Oklahoma? Would you do that? That doesn't make any sense, does it? So can you imagine if the Holy Ghost would have spoke to me before I, when I was there in Atlanta, Georgia, and said, you'll be the next pastor of Midland Christian Assembly Church in Midland, Pennsylvania. I probably would have come home and said, oh, okay. Packed up my bags and come on down here and said, here's your new pastor. And then I said, you're all wet behind the ears. Where'd you come from? See, because we start to think with our understanding and we try to figure it out in our own head and before you know it, we've got the whole thing messed up. Some people say, well, you know, I'm supposed to do this. Are you sure? He's not going to give on to you the whole picture so that you can clearly see the road map of your life and know what you're going to be doing ten years from now. He's going to give you one step at a time. One step at a time. When you're obedient to take that step, then the next step will come. When you're obedient to take that step, then the next step will come. That's how it was when I got saved. I got born again. I knew I had a next step to take. It was the Holy Ghost. I got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. I knew there was another step I had to take. It was teaching the Bible study. I started teaching the Bible study. I knew I had to take another step. I had to go to school, the Bible school. I took that step and I went down to Bible school. I had to witness my spirit to go on back home. and went on back home. Spirit of God said to me, you go and do this. I went on to do that and here I am. But it doesn't make any sense if you went back from the beginning and, and tried to figure it out with your own hand. I said, now Lord, it's so much closer just to come from Youngstown to year without that, you know, long journey, 2,000 mile journey. But there were a lot of things that we learned in that one period of one year that are vital to me right in my family right now. Things that we have learned in that one year that I, I just, they're so, I value them so high, so highly. I don't know what I would do without them. I learned more about faith in that one year than I did in my first, you know, previous year and a half that I saved. I learned a whole lot more right then. And I can see how it benefited me, you know, in, in the ministry and in my family's life. But that's why we've got to learn to trust the Lord with our hearts and don't lean into our heads. Now, let's open our Bibles into the book of Psalms and, and the 25th Psalm. And I want to show you something about guidance. Psalm 25 concerning guidance. If we're going to be acquainted with the Holy Ghost, it's going to have to come through the Word of God. He's going to guide you and lead you into all truth. Now, notice what the psalmist said in in, in Psalm 25. We'll start reading with verse 1. Under thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. See, the mind needs to be renewed. That's what he's saying here. I'm going to lift up my soul to you, renew this mind of mine. Remember what I said previously, that man has only used a certain percentage of his brain because of the fall and because of spiritual death that lodges itself into the heart of man, part of that, the majority of that brain. And I believe that 90% of the brain knew God. But I actually believe that them brain brain cells are being rejuvenated by God as we get the word and renew this mind of ours. Amen. We are having our mind renewed by God so that we can know, yea, even the deep things of God. And our, our guide is the Holy Ghost. Don't you remember over there that I have not seen and ears not heard nor entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But, but God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit so that we can know the deep things of God. For what things knoweth the man save the spirit of man that is in him? But the things of God knoweth no man save the spirit of God. And we have received not the spirit of this world but the spirit of God that we might know the things that are freely given unto us of God. Amen. See, that's what he said. And that's what the spirit of God has come to do. Teach us and guide us and lead us in all this truth. Now look over here, and what he's doing is just rejuvenating our mind, renewing our mind, getting themselves to know the Father God. We could know, you know, I believe, I heard it said like this, people educate their minds, their their heads at the expense of their heart. I believe if we'll we'll educate our heart, it will renew the mind, and we'll be, you know, educated in the things of God in such a way that we can have an intimate relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. Amen. That was just a nugget I threw out there to you for no charge. Free. You can have it. Amen. <laughs> Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O oh my God, I trust in thee. What did we say, trust in the Lord with all your want. Be not a, Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Well, that's a little bit, you know, back there. Our enemy's been defeated. Our life is a continual pageant of triumph over the enemy. Okay, yea, let not let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths. Hallelujah. You've got a way for my life and you've got a path for my life, O Lord. Show me thy way and teach me thy path. Lead me in, look at this, thy truth. Oh, can you just, he's just crying out, the psalmist says, lead me in thy truth. Lead me, but never before could he say, but you've sent unto me the spirit of truth. To guide me and lead me into all truth. But you and I, we can sit back and say, Hallelujah, the Comforter's come. Can you say with me? The Comforter's come. My travel guide is here. He's in me now. Leading me into all truth. Amen. Okay, now. And teach me. Look at verse 5 again. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions, according to thy mercy. Remember thou me, for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright in is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way. That's the first step. He teaches the sinner how to get into the way. That is the way of the Lord. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. Hallelujah. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth, unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. Mercy and truth. Don't let them forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck, and so shall you find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Now let's go on here. Look at verse 12. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Amen. Now, you see, you need to read that over and over again. Get that down deep into your spirit. Look at the 37th Psalm, verse 7. You're going to love it. Thank you, Lord. Verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him, for not thyself... Because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be, yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall be not, but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Now hold that thought right there and look at verse 37. Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright, for the end of that man is... What is it? See, he's telling you how to inherit the earth. He's showing you how to have the way of peace. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. Notice that again. Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright, for the end of that man, the end of that man is peace. Now look at verse 48, or chapter 48. Chapter 48. And verse 14. Verse 14. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto what? So you have a travel guide. You have a travel guide that's going to guide you in the way. He's going to guide you in the way you should go during your journey. And he's going to guide you all the way even unto your death. When Paul said to Timothy, he said, Timothy, my time has come. I've finished my course. I'm ready to depart. I'm ready to leave this earth. He knew it was time for him to go. Why? Because the travel guide told him. He said, Paul, set your house in order because you're coming home. You've finished your course, you've finished your race, you've finished your journey, you've done all things well, it's time for you to come on home to glory. That's the way we should leave this earth. You mark that perfect man. You mark that perfect man and the upright man, and you'll find out that the end of that man is peace. And Paul had peace in his death. He had peace because he was guided unto death. They need to mark that scripture and write it down in your Bible and know that he'll guide you even unto death. Okay, now I'm ready to begin. Psalm 119. (laughs) I'm just joshing, you know that. Actually, I've already covered a little bit. Well, have you got the travel guide? Is he going to guide you into the ways? Is he going to guide you into peace? Is he going to guide you under the end of your life, under death? So that you don't get off your course or journey of faith? And add shipwreck on your journey of faith. Sure you do. And if you learn to trust Him with all your heart, He'll guide you. Now, here is how to learn to trust the Holy Ghost to be your travel guide. Here is where direction comes. This is the way God is going to lead you in every facet of life. This is the major way. This is the first way. You know, there are different ways there, but this is the primary way that He's going to lead you. This is what we should be listening for at all times. See, some people try to get off into tangents and try to hear direction from God by hearing voices or having dreams and having visions. That is not the primary way that God leads his people. If we have an abundance of those, then we can know that we've gone in the air and we're off the way. Because God directs his people by the inward witness, by the perception of his spirit. Now, in the hundred nineteenth Psalm, notice this. We're on our pathway of life. Verse 105. We're in our, our journey of faith. We have started our course. We've, been, we've begun to walk with faith. Ahead of us is, is a world of lying and darkness. We need some light to shine upon the pathway of all lives so that we can end our journey in safety and in victory. So we can finish our course and have the victory. Thy word, 105, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, here the psalmist was referring to back in them days when they they used to walk down. They didn't have old streetlights like we do today. They couldn't just walk out in their backyard and have a big old shining light back there because they didn't have that kind of, you know, thing back then. Mr. Edison didn't come yet. He wasn't here yet. So consequently, they just had to use uh, what was available. And they had candles. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And what they used to do was get these candles and put them in their sandals. And they would light them. I don't know how they did it. had to look funny, but they did it. How do you know, Said, Well, I, this, when I was at school, this fellow who was our dean at the time, a Jewish, he was a completed Jew, and he taught about, along the lines and he said that's how they did it. He said they used to light them candles in their shoes or in their sandals and it would just shine out enough light so that when they took a step, they could see... Where they were going, they wouldn't fall into a ditch. But as they took each and every step, the light was there. But there was no light until they took the step, see? You had to take the step and then you get light. You take a step and get light. You take a step and get light. That's how it worked. You saw where you were standing and you put your foot out and you got light. You put your foot out and you got light. You put your foot out and you got light. And so they were guided, you know, that way down the path so that they didn't fall into the ditch or fall into a hole or whatever and get hurt, break their ankle, that sort of thing. See? So... The psalmist was referring to that and he said that the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now notice over there in the 130th verse. The entrance of thy word giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. The entrance of thy word giveth light. We need light to shine upon our pathway. Well, the word is a lamp unto our feet. The word is a light unto our path. And the entrance of that word, it gives off light. I like to say it like this. The entrance of that word gives light and understanding. That light is direction and guidance and the understanding is illumination to our minds. The renewing of our mind. When God's word concerning the subject enters into your heart, it gives direction and guidance. It gives light, wisdom. And then it gives illumination unto our mind. He says here, understanding. Okay, now note them two scriptures and notice Proverbs 20, 27. It said, the entrance of thy word giveth light, it giveth understanding even unto the simple. Now notice here in Proverbs 20 and 27, the spirit of man, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It is a light unto my path. The entrance of thy word giveth light. Direction to my spirit. Illumination to my mind. The spirit of man is the candle. That word candle there could be translated lamp. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. God directs us in our spirit. Now, in the 18th Psalm, I know I'm giving you a lot of scriptures, but you know, we've we got to teach the Word of God here. Amen? Verse 28. Keep those thoughts in mind. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, it is a light unto my path. The entrance of thy word giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple, Proverbs 20, 27 says the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. The candle of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the belly. And Psalm 18 and verse 28. You're going to like this. Thou will light my candle. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Okay. Thou will light my candle and the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Searching all the inward parts of the belly. Thou will enlighten my darkness. Okay, that's the light to shine upon the path of our life to give illumination to our mind. But now notice here in this next verse. I mean, when you begin to get this light, when you get to have your candle lit by the Lord, when your spirit gets set aflame, and I mean to tell you, you're on your journey of faith. It'll cause you to be able to run through a troop and leap over a wall. Not just walk. That's what it said there. For Thou will light my candle and lighten my darkness. And by thee I have run through a troop and by my God I have leaped over a wall. Amen. I don't care what that adversity is. I don't care what that storm of life dictates to you. If we will be instrument rated and and, and listen to our travel guide and have our spirits enlightened and have our minds illuminated by the power of God, but through the word of God, then I don't care what you stand facing. There is a way, there is a light to lead you into the right path so that you don't get off the course. Now, we have an adversary, as I said to you before. That adversary, go to Matthew 4, look at the adversary has come for the purpose of getting you off your path. He's come for the purpose of putting out the light. He knows that when you get the light, you're going to walk into the realm of the Spirit of God. He knows that when you begin to have direction inside your spirit and you consecrate yourself to fulfill this righteousness, He knows that you are. he is no match for you. So the first thing he's going to do is attempt to destroy the word or the light that comes into your heart so that he can put the light out before it gives direction in your spirit illumination to your mind. And if he can do that, and I don't care what area it is in your life, if it's your walk of of faith, if it's your walking in healing, if you're walking in prosperity, if you're walking, whatever it is, whatever case, I don't care what it is in your marriage, if you want to be married and you want to get married in, in a sad area... He's coming to cause confusion, to come to your mind. And I'm going to show you how to do it. We're going to get this guy and we're going to nail him. Hallelujah. This is how he comes to do it. And the rat tried to do it to Jesus. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. And I want you to know this. We're going to pattern our life after the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus just got done declaring... I am going to set my, ju- on my journey, I'm going to fulfill all righteousness, my ship is ready to sail, and I'm getting out, out there in the sea. And the first thing that the Spirit of God did was led him into the wilderness. You say, that doesn't sound right, but he did. Now, don't read that like some people read that. The, Lord, the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now, some people, they get off their course and err and they say, see, the Holy Ghost is going to lead you in the temptation. That's not what this is saying. Let me say it to you like this. The Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness because he knew he was going to be tempted of the devil. The Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness because he was going to prepare 40 days and 40 nights to be tempted of the devil. And there'll be many times in your life that the Holy Ghost will lead you in a fasting and prayer so because He knows that storm is up ahead. Don't you know that they have instruments right now they can tell when there's a hurricane coming? They can tell whether there's a hurricane coming from somewhere and saying, it's 400 miles away, it's 300 miles away, it's 200 miles away, it's 50 miles away. Can't they discover that right now with all the modern technology that we have? And what do they say? Prepare. Abandon. Get into a shelter somewhere, there's a hurricane, a tornado coming. Right? Isn't that what they do? The Holy Ghost saw and knew that the devil was coming in full force, so he led Jesus into the wilderness to fast and pray for 40 days so he could withstand the temptation of the devil. Now we're going to read it in that line. And he'll do that for you. He knows there are things that are coming in your life that's going to need prayer and fasting. And he'll lead you into prayer and fasting so that you are prepared for that storm of life. And if we'll follow the leading and the guidance of the Holy Ghost, there'll be many storms of life that could have been put to naught just like that if we'd have followed that leading and guidance. Now over here we find out that in verse 2, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, underline this what he said. This is what the devil said to Jesus. And this is in total contradiction to what God the Father said to Jesus. If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. You have an adversary that's endeavoring to get you off your course of faith. To destroy your life. And he will come to put the light out. If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Now, what he is saying to him right here is, aren't you going to question the fact that you're the son of God? Or don't you question who you are? And really what he's, he's doing, he is coming against Jesus's righteousness, his right standing with the father. The first area in your life that you need to be prepared. The devil is coming after your righteousness. He wants you to feel like a worm before God. He's coming to put upon you sin consciousness so that. You feel like a beggar before God. And you feel unworthy to stand in his presence. And every single one of you have been made worthy. You say, I don't know why I feel like this. I just feel like I can't even pray. And I don't feel like I, you know God can hear me. And I feel so ugly before God. I did this and I did that. The devil came and endeavored to do that to Jesus. Who do you think you are? The Son of God. You think you're so righteous? If you are the Son of God. See, he wanted Jesus to question his righteousness. Now here's the devastating part about it. Do you know what God said previously? Thou art, look at, look at there in Matthew 3 verse 17. A voice came from heaven and said, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. And what has he told us in 1 John 3-2, beloved, now are we the sons of God. Say it with me, I am the son of God. I am the son of God. Amen. We are the sons of God, the daughters of God. He says, I will be your father. You'll be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord. And the first thing he's coming to do is to destroy your righteousness. He'll do anything he can to destroy your righteousness. And the first attempt was in the physical realm. He came in the physical realm to destroy Jesus' righteousness. Okay? Jesus' initial preparation was a 40-day fast. And then after that, he began to fast and pray only as he was led by the Spirit. And notice the Spirit didn't lead him to another 40-day fast. Did you notice that? Some people fast 40 days every year, saying that they're following the example of Jesus. But that's not true. The Holy Spirit only led him once to fast forty days and forty nights. Amen? Amen. Jesus grew up and waxed strong in spirit. The devil came to destroy his righteousness consciousness. Try to get him to disbelieve that he was the Son of God, and tried to make him prove it by turning that bread into, into I mean stone into bread. And he did it at a time that Jesus was most vulnerable physically. He was hungry. See, the devil has no cooth. None at all. He's coming at your weakest point. And that's what you need to be aware of. He's coming at your weakest point. That's when he attacks. He's going to make you question your right standing with God. Make you feel like you're, like I said, unworthy. Okay? Now, notice here. Let's go on. Then the devil taketh him up into a holy city and setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If you're the Son of God. if you're, Notice again, the temptation is to doubt whether or not he's the the Son of God. If you're the Son of God. If you're the Son of God. What's he say to do? Well, I passed something up here. Let's go back. Let's go back to verse four. Let's go back to what Jesus said first. Jesus said to the devil, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. What did God say? Thou art my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Thou art my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. What did the devil say? If you be the son of God. What did God say? Thou art my beloved son. What did the devil say? If you be the son of God, because you're so hungry. See what he's trying to do to get you to get into sin consciousness? If you're so righteous, why did you go off and do that? That's what he says to you. If you're so holy, then how come you did this? If you're so righteous before God, how come you didn't read your Bible today? If you're so righteous, how come you got a little bit upset with the kids today? And you shrink before the presence of God and say, man, I am a worm, huh? No! You say, bless God, I don't care what you say, Mr. Devil. Listen to this. I ask the Father to forgive me. And the Bible says that if I ask, he forgives me and cleanses me of all unrighteousness. And I stand before my Father righteous. Now get your ugly head out of here, bless God, I am righteous before my Father God. And don't let that linger wrong. God said it. See, you say what God said. When the devil says what he said, you say what God said. God said you're the son of God. God said that we are the sons of God. God said that we are the righteousness of God. And we take what God said over what the devil said. Okay, look at the next one. He took him up upon the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and he saith unto him, If you be the Son of God, cast yourself down, it is written, he'll give his angels charge concerning you. And in their hands shall they bear you up, lest you dash, any time you dash your feet against a stone. Now the devil started to quote scripture to Jesus. And he says, Now if you be the Son of God again. Now here we're in the mental realm. The mental realm. Not the physical realm, but the mental realm. If he can't get you in the physical realm, he's going to come and get you in the mental realm. That physical realm was the way he got Adam and Eve. But Jesus got beyond that and he went over to the metal realm. In the metal realm, Satan is coming. And you need to write this down. Satan is coming to pervert scriptures. He's coming to make scriptures come up to your mind in such a way that God's intent in those scriptures will be perverted. Yeah, it's true that God said that he'll give his angels charge over you, but not to prove that you're the son of God. Not to prove this or to prove that. That's not why he did it. See, some people, they want to use the Bible that way. But you can't use the Bible that way. We're not to use God's word that way. He wants to produce a wrong motive or a wrong intent or attitude of your heart concerning the word of God. And that's what's getting people off the ditch to the right or to the left. They're not following the guidance of the Holy Ghost. And so they get off to the ditch on the, the right or left and they don't hear right. They don't hear what God is saying through the word. And that, if he tried that, if you think that that's subtle, if he tried that with Jesus, you best know he's trying it with you and with me. He's trying to whisper some scriptures in your ear. Let me give you an example. Someone, you heard somebody preach and say that you should be filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues. I've had people come up to me and they say like this, but didn't you know that tongues have passed away? Didn't you know that it says in the Bible that tongues have passed away? It doesn't say that in the Bible. It doesn't say that. Not in its context. And if you read that out of the Bible and find out what it really says, if you believe the tongues have passed away, then you've got to believe the knowledge has passed away. If you believe that knowledge has passed away, there's something wrong. Tongues, they shall cease when knowledge vanishes away. And knowledge has not vanished away, so tongues have not ceased. But the devil comes in to distort those scriptures. I can give ten scriptures that shows you why you could, be, should speak with other tongues. And the devil will put one in a person's mind, and they'll be off their course. They'll be off their journey. They'll be going off down that way, and they'll get in a shipwreck. And they may never get filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues. And they'll never fulfill all righteousness, all righteousness. That's what God wants for you. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings.